0: to American Education FM everybody I'm dr. Sean Brooks welcome back everybody hope everybody had a good Fourth of July Independence Day hopefully you blew some stuff up I certainly did it was a good time to say the least uh, lots to get into here in this episode in fact almost too much going on here to even bring up in one particular episode but first of all I want to get into this second fake shooting here that happened real quick but before I do I just kind of want to mention that you know, this isn't a false flag podcast. I don't have any problem uh, diving into these particular issues, in particular, again, if it has something to do with school or education or what have you, like the Uvalde hoax and all that stuff. But this uh, this Highland Park thing, it did not happen. And it's, it's pretty obvious to me, again, at this point that it didn't happen. Um, I'm certain of that. It's, it's just too ridiculous, T- too many similarities to every other fake shooting. Uh, no bodies, no blood. And again, if anybody watches any of the video footage that's been out there, actually heard any of these ridiculous interviews, you too would probably arrive at the same conclusion. In particular, again, if you listened to my Uvalde breakdown of what actually went on there. Lots of, again, lots of of things to bring up with this, just kind of very quickly if I can. First of all, I think it's pretty evident that the enemy is learning to sort of uh, tie up loose ends, we'll call it. If you recall in the Uvalde shooting of all the things that we did not see, we didn't see bullet casings, we didn't see bullet holes, we didn't see broken glass, we didn't see any of that. The same is true in this regarding the Highland Park fake shooting although they decided to get a picture of a broken door with a giant glass pane on the door and you know now there's there's our proof that uh a door was shot into so casualty 1 for the door i'm sure there'll be a quick funeral for that door and uh it it's it's really beyond embarrassing again um, it was a largely Jewish town. It was a largely liberal town where almost everybody is a Democrat and registered Democrat. Um, no video footage of the actual shooter actually doing any shooting. And their excuse for that, of course, is that, well, he was on a rooftop. And because he was on a rooftop, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have footage, but we're not going to let anybody see it. Well, that's funny. Just like Uvalde. I heard the audio. I, I, I you know, I, I watched the clips. It's evident that something is being shot. Are they blanks? Probably. You know, a, a couple other funny anomalies. Again, if anybody's watching the video, is when you're watching these, these again, these sort of certainly fake shootings. But the EMT workers and and the police officers and the firefighters and all these all these first responders, quote unquote, sort of just standing around. You know, if you're an EMT worker and you're pulling a gurney out of the back of an ambulance, aren't you doing it rather quickly? Uh, Otherwise, why would you pull the gurney out? Why would you pull that bed out of the back if you aren't going to rush to a particular location and use it quickly? Why would you casually pull a bed out of the back of an ambulance? Um, Again, this one clip is ingrained in my mind of these two guys slowly pulling this this bed out of the back of an ambulance and the wheels slowly come down and they turn and they look and they both look right into the camera as the camera is catching them doing this. Um, again, it's, it's beyond ridiculous. And then, of course, the photographs themselves are equally as ridiculous. Why, why would EMT workers leave their random first aid bags on the ground? it's uh, again it's embarrassing you, you th- there's a picture that's sticking out in my head here of four or five emt bags kind of all sort of spread out on 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 the street or on the side of the road sidewalk i guess it would be um there's no blood anywhere there's no there's no nothing there's no trash it's just a couple of bags and like a tipped over chair for a dramatic effect again, does an EMT worker typically leave their first aid bag just sitting there? Don't they take their material with them, in particular if there are numerous wounded? Isn't that what they're supposed to do? You, you know, throw the bag over your shoulder and, or around your neck and you keep moving uh, r- rather than just randomly leaving all of your stuff laying around? It, it, it's, it's just sad. The problem is, is that they use the same tactics every single time in all of these fake shootings. Again, the dramatic photographs and the standing around of people, and then they occasionally get somebody running, you know, toward nowhere, basically. And then the people that they interview are equally as ridiculous. Um, a local news affiliate had audio about nine minutes long. I listened to this too. You didn't see the woman's face, but. She's talking about how she's a business owner in that town, and you know, uh, most of us are Democrat. I mean, she openly says that. And then she says that they just got done having a – or that they have in the past had anti-gun marches and anti-gun rallies up and down their streets before. And then she uses all of the cliche lines, basically, where where she says again, you know, how much more do we have to live through? And how much more do we have to take? And when are we going to learn? And when will this stop? And all this other stuff. I mean, they say the same things over and over again. No one's crying. No one is upset. There are no tears. It's it's beyond outrageous. Uh, there, There was another one. I saw of a woman, again, who allegedly lost her child, again, not crying, and had the wherewithal to sit down and do a a face-to-face video interview with a news outlet, Uh, you know, one of the major news outlets. They were on the scene, too. And uh, the grieving mother sits down with us and talks about her child, who's dead. Who would do that? If you lost a child, really, in a a random shooting, which is, you know, next to impossible, is it your first gut instinct to sit down and say, you know what I need to do? I need to talk with the mainstream media about my dead child in this entire event. And then I need to make sure and say all the same scripted lines of, we need gun control and, you know, we need help and this is absolutely outrageous. I just don't know who actually believes this anymore, but unfortunately, like I said in the past, this is another litmus test because countless people still think this happened, and it's so sad it's just so sad you get on gab and you're you're reading the gab you know the the gab posts that the major posters are making, and they're saying the same things. you know this is ridiculous, this is terrible you he was m k ultra he was this that, and the other. he may have been. Or maybe he's not even real. Maybe the dude's not even real. I saw this too. On Reddit, there was a Reddit account that was started back in May. And whatever the guy's name is, and and again, my apologies, his name has slipped my mind and I don't have it written down in front of me, but uh, a Reddit account was started with his name and it said, he isn't real. And that was back on like May 17th. That this person isn't real. Why, why would why would that exist? Why would there be a random Reddit account or um, subreddit, whatever it was, with the title of the guy's name and, and saying that he isn't real? Again, the MK Ultra thing is low hanging fruit for the people who know that MK Ultra is real, which of course it is. But it it, it the rabbit hole goes deeper than that. It it goes right into the Smith-Munt Act, and that being allowed um, the mainstream media just basically drinking this in and just believing it. And then, of course, just random people calling up the local news affiliates and the local news affiliates not vetting anybody and saying, well, I was there, I saw it. I mean, I could be calling them from Ohio and be like, I was there, I saw it. And they would believe me they would put me on air and i'd say you know well i have a business there and i live right around the corner and whatever else and they go oh please you know come on our show and talk about this it's it's embarrassing it's just embarrassing people see these things at face value they believe them and then the next time it happens they do the exact same thing with the next time they just believe it again um it's all It's all Freemasonry. It's all satanic. It's all designed to, again, grab guns, limit guns, and then again, in lockstep, you have Kamala Harris show up and just mumble a bunch of words because she's retarded, and then she says what she says, and then, you know, she leaves. Uh, You know, they needed this on the 4th of July to get people's minds off of Uvalde, because that hoax was getting hoaxier by the second. And more and more people were starting to wake up to how ridiculous that actually was. And of course, now it's been memory hold and people have forgotten about it. And, you know, oh, look, we got the resignation of the former police chief and city council member. He's decided to resign from city council in Uvalde because I don't know, if his negligence that he had nothing to do with because he wasn't even a police chief at the time and uh, there was no shooting there. Again, it's all just a giant distraction. Not to mention what happened on July 1st with the Pfizer document dump that just recently came out, which I'll bring up here later in this episode, but that's about all I have regarding the Highland Park thing. You know, they randomly found this apparent guy's uncle. Wouldn't you know it? randomly found him in his car in the front seat of his car driving by and isn't that always sort of again the the cliche approach of you know we found a family member randomly in their car as they were driving away and we approached them and they were kind enough to talk to us and what did this guy say this guy goes uh you know i just don't want people to blame us you know we had no idea he was capable of something like this i mean we just had no idea you know not crying nothing no remorse uh look, he's searching for words, very scripted again, because you know again that they looked at him and they said, "'Hey, look, say this, say this, say this, and then we'll do as many takes as we have to, but don't worry we'll uh we'll use what we want, and we'll get the message out and thanks for playing along. The same thing I might add happened with David Hogg, uh that nitwit in the Parkland alleged shooting, which again, I don't think happened. At all. Again, I haven't done a deep dive on that, but uh, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that happened either. Crisis actors were everywhere. I I know I brought up a piece of this earlier, but in that Parkland shooting, in Broward County, uh, fake shooting, as far as I can tell. Again, where's the where's the video surveillance footage? I recall seeing one clip, but I again hard to know if it was legit or not. Uh, but then there was this random teacher again being interviewed by ABC News and she had a band-aid over her her right arm, basically right where a person would get a flu shot. And she claimed that uh that, that was a ricochet wound from an AR bullet, you know, a two-two-three or a five-five-six round, ricocheted off a wall and and just grazed her arm. It was a, honest to God, it was a regular band-aid, a regular size. Band-Aid brand Band-Aid on her arm, and she just pointed at it, and she was like, this is all, you know, this is the wound I have. There was no bruising. There was no scar. There was no swelling. There was no redness of the skin around this little Band-Aid. She was just wearing this random Band-Aid. And then, of course, like I said, David Hogg, um, I put this up on a previous war video, I think, there's video footage of him being interviewed by the local media and the, and again he has a script and he has to re say the lines over and over and over again so the footage you're watching is unedited video footage of David Hogg acting and providing a script as to what he claims he saw during that shooting and what people were experiencing and whatever else and again back to the parkland thing if you recall the massive media blitz and the CNN town halls with the kids and all that other garbage. This is the exact same kind of thing. Same thing. Just, uh, yeah, just a different day. That's all. So it didn't happen. That's the whole point. It just didn't happen. Uh, okay, shifting gears here. This was tossed to me by a listener of the podcast, and I want to thank him for for sending this my way. This is a threadreaderapp.com thread, uh, originally from Twitter, from Graham Stephan, if I'm saying that correctly, Uh, and it has to do with the used car market and how this is indicative also of an economic collapse, which as we know is purposeful, but this was back on July 1st, and uh, I wanted to read through this. I, I think it's interesting and telling. It says, quote, The used car market is on the brink of an auto loan collapse that can shake the entire industry. I'm shocked that more people are not talking about this. We are facing a 2008-ish scenario in the used car market, and honestly, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Then they said, A, when buyers purchase a car, a vast majority, 85% are financed. The problem is that unlike real estate, auto loans are not subject to strict, uh, strict underwriting requirements allowing almost anyone to get one. Buyers with lower credit scores were, f- uh, were funneled into loans with two times the interest. You can see how crazy this is in the latest auto loan consumer reports. 25-50% to 50% of the loans were given to customers who might not be able to repay it. Lenders only verified the source of income and employment only 4% of the time. If that's not crazy enough, as of now, 5% of auto loans are behind payment and nearly half of them are underwater. Uh, It says just like how the housing market collapsed from the loan crisis in 2008, the same thing is being said here, starting to and is starting to happen in the auto loan market. As the supply chain and chip crisis has improved, from COVID times, used car prices have dropped for four consecutive months and are now down 6.4% since January. This is a nightmare for the banks that have lent money on these cars, those uh, whose value is rapidly beginning to fall. Just recently, Equifax reported that 8.5% of subprime borrowers defaulted on their car loans, the second highest on record. The Wall Street Journal also found that more subprime borrowers. Have started missing out on payments as rising inflation made them choose between essentials and auto loans. Uh, The reality is that the lenders have given buyers unaffordable loans without verifying their finances on car values that cannot be sustained without a chip shortage. It's only a matter of time. Eventually, things have to come back to normal. KPMG predicts that used car prices can drop 30% as more supplies hit the market and Ally Financial predicts a 20% drop. The timing is a bit uncertain, but it looks like it's going to unravel in the next 12 to 18 months. From everything I've researched, my biggest concern is that too many people have locked themselves into auto loans that are more expensive than they can afford. If any of them experience a job loss or reduction in income, like a recession, or even again, a death, where, where there are two names on the loan, and one of them is you know still uh, still responsible for making said loan, then they're certainly going to have to sell that car back and get rid of it. Uh, it says they will not be able to sell the car for as much money as they owe due to the crashing auto prices. There will be no choice left other than to get their car repossessed, flooding the market with inventory and exacerbating the issue. This is especially true now, given more than half of auto loans are underwater with people owing an average of $3,700 more than their vehicle is worth. The only silver lining here is that auto loans are significantly smaller than housing loans, and it's much easier to repossess and auction a car when compared to a house. My concern is that very few people are acknowledging the issue. The more people understand what's going on, the more we could prevent the problem from getting worse. Unquote. Okay, so What's interesting, I think, too, is, again, it's just another avenue that's remarkably telling, uh, f- clearly for a variety of reasons. But I, I also live very close to a highway that essentially is this giant, very long route and uh, used car lots everywhere. And there are more used cars that are newer models than I've ever seen. Again, it's an eyeball test kind of thing, but you read something like this and you hear something like this, then you've got to actually take your mind and your eyes and your ears out and actually go look for it. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You will see newer model automobiles on these used car lots. And I'm not talking like a Chevrolet used car lot that's, you know, Chevy brand where they also sell brand new automobiles. I'm not talking about those used car lots. I'm talking about the ones again that are like Chuck's used cars, and you know, the the automobiles that you're likely to see in these lots now are just way newer than I've seen in a very very long time. And again, we're talking about 2017s all the way up to 2022 models. And I'm saying to myself, what's wrong with these automobiles? I mean, it it just seems odd. But this right here, again, this this Twitter thread lays it out, that uh, these are individuals that cannot afford these automobiles because the banks are just cutting them loans that they know that the customers cannot pay off. So certainly very similar to the 2008 housing crisis. And again, same kind of loan fiasco, same kind of banking fiasco. But uh, there's a big difference between a car loan and a house, clearly but those are typically the two mo- largest payments that a person ever makes in their lifetime is automobiles and homes. But yeah, I, I if if it's happening with automobiles, it has to be happening with homes also is, is kind of the point. So there's that. Okay. Again, something to keep an eye on, you know, de- definitely give that the old eye test and don't hesitate to drive around and, and see if you notice that. See if you notice newer model automobiles just within the last three or three plus years. Um, and and those sort of being the dominating automobiles on these used car, car lots, it, it certainly seems to be the case anyway, where I live. Uh, here, here's here's another one. And again, just to kind of shift into some jab related stuff. And I have a couple of just real brief education stories too that I want to bring up here at the end. But this comes from the unreported truths on uh, Substack, which is Alex Bernson, if I'm saying that right. And again, this is from July 2nd. It's titled, COVID shots for little kids are dead on arrival. The fawning media coverage notwithstanding, uptake has been pitifully low. And this is a good thing. I'm glad that less and less people are actually buying into these lies. But again, the, the before I read this article, let me riff a little bit about some of the things, again, that I've heard over the last week. You know, you turn on the radio and and. If I do, which is rare, I listen to a classic rock radio station here, uh, sort of in the Cincinnati area. It's based out of Cincinnati, but you know, great great music. But the commercial breaks are insufferable. They're absolutely insufferable. Just the other day, there were three Pfizer commercials that were back to back, to back, um, and it was it was just terrible. Again, the same commercial three times in a row. If you're eligible, go and get your booster shot. I mean, they're actually pushing the booster shot on people. So they're not even messing around with shot number one. They're just saying if you're eligible to imply again, if you want a booster, well, you'd better get those first two. The the, the blatant stupidity with all of this has reached an absolute peak as far as I'm concerned. I'm shocked that There are individuals walking around or bedridden during the summer, and they don't even know why. Again, getting ill in the summer is so rare on a year-in and year-out basis for the vast majority of individuals that those that are ill can't for the life of them figure out why. I mean, again... Never before in their lives have they taken two or three shots within a single year. It's absolutely nuts. But endless people are not making these connections. And of course, we know it's mathematically impossible that there would not be people out there who would make the connections, who are jabbed. And they're saying to themselves right now, wow, I shouldn't have done that because now I'm sick. And, uh, this has never happened to me before. And well, what is it that I've done over the last year that's caused me to do this? Well, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the shots that I took or then again, maybe they're on the other end of the spectrum and they're saying, well, there was that one time I didn't wear my mask. So maybe that's when, (laughs) maybe that's when I got sick. It's, it's insane, but, uh, they actually highlight the state of ohio in this article which is one of the other reasons i wanted to mention it cuz the county where i live uh you know they, they've got they've got it broken down by the percentage of the population that are va- that are vaccinated so to speak and um unfortunately well although predictably i should say the more university centered counties and the urban-centered counties, certainly the four counties in and around Cincinnati. Um, Same thing with Columbus, Toledo, and Cleveland. These are the most vaccinated areas in Ohio. All the rural areas, not the case, just not the case, which again is a very good thing. But uh, the article starts off by saying this. It says, quote, despite a massive media and government pressure campaign, American parents are overwhelmingly rejecting COVID vaccines for their young children. About one week after the shots became available, barely 1% of children under five have received mRNA jabs for COVID, which of course doesn't exist. Data from several states show this is Ohio, like I just described, it says, even in California, among the bluest states, only about 2% of kids under five have been jabbed. That's still a lot, kind of, I think. And I've seen these videos, too. There was one from New York, I believe, where a couple was getting out of an SUV with their with their two children. One was a toddler, and the other one, honest to God, looked like a newborn baby, still in a stroller. And there were people outside pleading with, with this mother and, her, and uh, the father to not... To not, jab, to, to not get their kids jabbed as they were carrying them in to get these shots outside of this health clinic. It was terrible. The article continues, and it says, demand is likely to be near zero going forward. The recent history of COVID shots shows that an increasingly tiny minority of MRNA fanatics get themselves or their children jabbed or boosted quickly after regulators okay new doses. So pent-up desire for new shots is likely non-existent. It says, as usual, elite media outlets have largely refused to acknowledge this reality, instead running endless articles that seek to normalize and encourage the shots. CNN headline from old Dr. Lena Nguyen, that monster, uh, it says, quote, let's start off with your family. You have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Have you gotten them vaccinated yet? They asked Dr. Lena Nguyen and she responded, yes, I called my pediatrician's office as soon as the FDA authorized the vaccine to let them know that I wanted my kids to get vaccinated at the earliest possible. The earliest appointment was last Monday, about a week after kids in the six-month to five-year-old range group uh, first started getting their shots. Absolutely ridiculous. And then, of course, there's the Elmo got his flu shot on Sesame Street because, you know, you should take your medical advice from a puppet. Uh, I can't, I just, I, that's basically the end of the article. I, I, can't, I can't believe that people are actually buying into this still. And so here's, again, what I think is going to happen moving forward, and countless people are already commenting on this and, and writing very similar things online, and I agree with them 100%. They need this for any upcoming election here this fall. They just need this, not to mention they need to replay the COVID lie and any other illness lie that they can as soon as the leaves start to fall from the trees and it starts to get cold again. When that happens, endless people are going to fall very, very ill. And these are, again, the the single jab, the double jab, the boosted the the double boosted whatever these people are going to fall ill those people are going to think that something is going around quote unquote that is making them sick this of course is not true their immune systems are compromised they have aids they have vaccine induced aids they've wiped out their immune systems um that's that's just the way that it is but they need an excuse. And again, with the radio commercials pushing the jabs even harder, they're, they're really trying to do whatever they can to get as many people to take this as humanly possible. We've always known that. That's not a new thing, but they're not going to quit on this. They just aren't. This is their only play. So they're really hitting the propaganda hard. And like I said, it's thick on the radio. You turn on the radio even if you're listening to conservative talk radio, which again is really an abomination, it exists inside of their their commercial breaks. So even if they're talking about how the shots are are hurting people and they know of people who've been hurt from the shots on their actual shows, as soon as they go to a commercial break, um, it's Pfizer this, Pfizer that, get your jab, blah, blah, blah. It's It's absolutely nuts. But they're doubling down and they're tripling down and they're just doing whatever they have to do to suck in as many people into this giant kill program as they possibly can. So yeah, don't fall for it. Whatever you do, don't fall for it. And again, flu season, quote unquote, the old flu season's coming up and the number of dummies that are just going to line up and get flu shots is really alarming. And they don't know that that too is going to hurt them badly. And, uh, What is in these flu shots going forward is anyone's guess at this point. It's always been poison. We know that. Uh, Filled with carcinogens, always has been. Doesn't protect against anything because there's no such thing as the flu. And there you go. So if you've got single jab, double jab, triple jab, quadruple jab people taking flu shots on top of that, like I said a year ago, these people are not going to make it. They're not going to make it. And if they're slipping the mRNA jab juice and the uh, nanotechnology and the graphene oxide inside of flu shots, forget it. It's game over. You know, the, these, these school-age kids that take these shots or, the, you know, the, the, the dummy parents that line them up to take them because, you know, they're going into a new school, so they have to get their shots. I mean, these, these people can't be helped. They're, they're too far gone. Too far gone. It's sad. Um, but yeah, so certainly we're going to, we're going to keep paying attention to that and, uh, keep an eye on that before I get into the, the, the Pfizer doc here, which is rather interesting. And again, I just have one here that I want to break down. Of course, there were many that were released, but I want to go back real quick to the economic thing. Cause this just hit my mind. Um, I have family members who golf a lot of them, and I used to play a lot, don't play anymore, but I used to. and. Uh, we, we were having a discussion here over the past week about something that a lot of golf courses are apparently doing in a lot of different areas. And I thought this too was an economic shift that was, that was an interesting, it was an interesting observation and, and certainly something I think that's worth chewing on a little bit, but keep an eye out for this too. What do what my cousin told me was that a lot of golf courses these days are, um, encouraging more and more people to become members and increasing their private membership and a lot of more what were public golf courses are now going private and the reason for that, as we discussed that I brought up to him and he he seemed I mean he seemed to understand and it made sense to him, was that the reason that that's happening, I think, is that they want their money up front that these golf courses want as much money as they can get up front for an entire golf season so that they know that they have that money, that it's not given to them in in payments and that they aren't relying on random people and, you know, the the public, so to speak, the non-member publics sort of showing up and then either playing once a month or once a week or whatever. They want not a steady stream of income but they want a giant upfront payment so that they know, again, that they have all of the money that they need so that they can plan out what it is that they want to do over the course of that so-called golf season, whether it, again, be the summer or whatever. That, I think, is a a sign of the changing times also. Not to mention, again, if you have full-blown public golf courses that were always public and now all of a sudden they're private, to me, that means they're struggling for money you know one of the things that was brought up was that there's a there's a giant clamoring for the game of golf that more people are playing golf today than ever before and yeah a couple of years ago with all the scare tactics and the fake covid this that and the other that people weren't playing golf well that may have been true but from what i saw cuz again i i played golf back in 2000 uh, or 2020 rather um In fact, that was the last time I played golf was the summer of 2020. And there was steady play. There was no no real downturn in anybody playing. But um, I don't necessarily think there's an increase, although I'm not paying attention to any numbers or anything like that. And like I said, I haven't been on a golf course in two years. But um, economically speaking, financially speaking, it, it would make sense that they would want all of their money up front is basically what I'm saying. At least that's my take. I could be wrong on that, but uh, that's kind of my analysis of the whole thing. So there you go. Okay. Anyway, back to the Pfizer doc. So this Pfizer document um, essentially lays out, and this comes from November of 2020. So we're talking first round trials human trials of of these jabs and what they were discovering within this particular trial so to speak was that endless people were withdrawing from the trials for a variety of reasons many of which were and you can't make this up that the shots were actually making them sick weird isn't it what a what a weird coincidence that these people were leaving the trials because they were remarkably ill. And some of them died. In fact, I'm staring at one right here on page 18 of this FDA document. Uh, And I'll link this document in the description below so you can see what I'm talking about. But it says they tried to follow up with this individual and they were dead. So it said, withdrawal reason, death. And then the comment just says, death. So the subjects themselves were allowed to enter in an explanation as to why they didn't want to participate anymore in the trials. Sometimes they were saying things like, well, I got a new job, or they would say, I've moved, or they would say, uh, you know, I'm I'm not feeling well to come in today, so I'm, I'm withdrawing because I just don't know when I'll feel better, and all the way down to well, you know, I have a massive rash, and I've been sick since the first one, and now I really don't want to participate anymore and again these were these were after one dose, and some of them were after two doses and again, in some of these two, well again, it's a very interesting document and very easy to understand and frankly read. you just look at it from left to right and then you you just scroll down and you can see all the different uh, withdrawal reasons in the comments and when they withdrew and you know, what, what part of the study phase they were in, they would sometimes reach out to these people and the people just would not respond at all. They would, so for example, here it says patient unresponsive. So they lost them to a, a follow up and they, they tried to follow up with them and they couldn't reach them anymore. So, yeah, did they change their phone number or are they dead? Did they move or are they dead? Um, subject never answered phone calls, certified letters sent, certified letters sent. Again, more comments made by the actual study groups themselves as to trying to reach out to these people and they're not responding. So, death was certainly one of the main factors here. And again, the shots were giving them quote-unquote COVID, so they would even withdraw from these trials because they would say well now i've tested positive for covid after taking the first or second shot the, the overwhelming point here is this these people knew that these shots were going to kill people these, the these these companies knew and these manufacturers and all the people who manipulated all of this juice knew that these were going to kill people knew that they were going to make them sick they knew that anybody who had a, any kind of previous health issue or chronic health condition that this was going to make them sick and kill them. Um, they also knew, again, this is sad. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm talking and looking at this document at the same time. There's another one here that says they received their first vaccine in November and then they lost them to a follow-up because of a pregnancy. And because they were pregnant, they didn't want to participate anymore. Again, it begs the question, you know, did they actually give birth? Um, Either way, it's it's just beyond evident that endless people were becoming ill, and then they were either recognizing that the shot was making them ill, or they were just coming up with another excuse, or, you know, whatever it was. Again, here's one that says, subject no longer interested in study. No kidding. Withdrew consent to future visits. Did not want to come to scheduled visits. Subject no longer wanted to come to to study appointments. Says another one. This person was incarcerated, so they couldn't. They couldn't. (laughs) They were in jail, so they couldn't come back for their second jab. Um, No longer meets eligibility requirements. Withdrew due to anxiety of having blood drawn unable to obtain blood from subject was a reason that another person couldn't uh, couldn't participate. That would indicate blood clotting, would it not? Again, they, they it's evident that the people conducting the study knew what they were doing. And the other thing too is, is that they even list on here that individuals who had previous vaccinations for other things, like the flu, that they would come back and they would say they, you know, they Had an adverse reaction to the first dose because of their previous vaccination status. Things of that nature. Again, it's all poison. That's all. It's just all poison. And when you're stacking it on top of one another inside of the same body, what do you expect to happen to that person? This one comes from USA Today. Just read this headline Uh, 105 million doses of the Pfizer jabs have been bought by the US government the U.S. to buy 105 million doses of the COVID-19 vaccine in a deal worth $3.2 billion. You see, these people are willing to spend as much money as they have to to kill us. Meanwhile, small businesses are closing. People are financially struggling. We don't need government handouts, but what's the government doing with our tax dollars and, and their time and energy? they're trying to wipe us out. Okay. Let me get into um, some education related stuff here too. This comes from justthenews.com and it says, a former Trump aide sues Virginia school district for psychologically abusing and sexually exploiting kids. And this is Stephen Miller's America of, uh, let me see, America first legal legal group here, and they're seeking 1.5 million from Loudoun County. Virginia School District is forcing parents to give up a guaranteed public education if they object to officials psychologically abusing and sexually exploiting the children entrusted to their care, according to a former Trump administration official. Stephen Miller's America First Legal, whose board includes former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, filed a state lawsuit against Loudoun County Public Schools uh, and their superintendent, Scott Ziegler, and several officials on behalf of a dozen parents with children in the district. The complaint seeks at least $1.5 million in damages for a cornucopia of culture war grievances, secretly facilitating gender transitions, requiring children to share bathrooms and locker rooms with the opposite sex against their will, and providing sexually explicit and pornographic materials, and practicing overt racial discrimination. Ladies and gentlemen, this shouldn't be a lawsuit. There should be handcuffs. You see, where is the law? Where's the real law? Why is it that that these school districts have to be sued, have to have money taken from them, which you know that they have a giant stockpile of all of this cash from all that COVID money that they've probably kept and hidden under their mattress for a rainy day lawsuit just like this. But why is it that there aren't handcuffs? Why is it that sheriffs departments and and local police aren't arresting these people for doing these things? Because again, if a business was doing these things to children, discriminating against them, making them uh all, you know, pee in the same bathroom and undress in the same locker room and then push uh, pornography on them, there would be arrests, there would be handcuffs. Um maybe some undercover footage But all of this is out in the open. All of this comes out in school board meetings. All of this is on YouTube. I mean, we can we can watch. We've we've heard the parents bring this stuff up with regularity, uh, feverishly, I might add, over the last two three years. So, why aren't there just handcuffs? Again, the lawsuit stuff is interesting, and I think it's a good move. But it doesn't panic these school board members. What would panic them is handcuffs. What would panic them even more is you handcuff them during one of their meetings. When are we going to see that? When are when are we going to see local police officers arrest these, these kinds of school board members during an actual meeting? I have a warrant for your arrest. Stand up. You have the right to remain silent. Cuff them. Take them out. Do it on camera during their actual meeting. And then, of course, you'll see the other school board members start to flip out and try to defend one of their own and all this other stuff. It's it's beyond ridiculous. But here's another story too, and it's not it's not related necessarily, but it's certainly one of these subjects that I've commented on in the past. And I just kind of want to bring this up again, because it's these kinds of stories that really just creep me out and give me the willies. And you're gonna you're gonna hear why here in a minute. And then of course I'm gonna start railing on sports in school and and how I think the whole thing is just ridiculous. But Uh, This comes from the Daily Mail, and it's titled, Basketball Coach at a $45,000-a-year New Jersey Girls Prep School is investigated over video of him drunkenly shoving teen girl onto a hotel bed. Just the bullet points here. Sadie River Day Girls Basketball Coach Danny Brown has been accused of shoving a teenage girl onto a bed in a hotel room on December 30. Um... An unverified video circulating social media allegedly depicts Brown pushing a teenage girl down onto a bed. The man in the video appears to pin her to the bed before she appears to be able to escape from his grip. The school is aware of the circulating video and says it is investigating and Brown has reportedly agreed to participate in the investigation. Uh, there's a picture of him, the video, okay. Again, y- you don't know who's drunk there's no real backstory to this and I I don't know anything about it. The only reason I wanted to bring this up was just for this sole reason. And I might be alone in this and that's a hundred percent fine. You may completely disagree with me. That's okay too. I have always found coaches who coach to be, they tend to be a little more reckless than not. In particular, when the institution is more private, and there's more money involved. That, that that the coaches tend to be more unethical. I'll put it that way. In particular, when said coach is the opposite sex of the people for which they are coaching. So, I'm going to rail on this here for a minute, and I know that it's not everybody because that would be impossible, but I have to tell you that it's always been off-putting to me that individuals would, that, that males would want to coach female sports. I, I know that that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and somebody probably listening to this is going, whatever, I coach my daughter's team, and you're, you're, you know, you're an asshole. I mean, look, I'm not talking about you then. You're not the person I'm talking about. I, I just, I don't get it. it. It, 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 um, I don't, I don't even have an explanation. It's just one of those subjects that I've never, I've never enjoyed or thought, you know what I need to do? I need to coach girls, you know, girls volleyball or girls basketball or field hockey. Yeah, that's what I need to do. You know what? What I need to do as a male is be the female cheerleading coach. It, it, these things never crossed my mind. As as a school teacher, or even as a uh, as as a college student training to be a teacher, I, I would hear a lot of people say things like, "You know, if you want to be a teacher, then you got to be a coach, and uh, if the school wants you to be a coach, well, then that's what you need to do." And I remember thinking to myself, "No." To hell with that. Now, for those that have listened to this podcast, you know that I've, I've mentioned this before, but I did coach soccer. It was co ed soccer. Uh, it was the, the vast majority of the people on the team were, were middle school boys. I did it for two very short seasons. I hated it. I could not stand it. Um, it was time consuming. It was remarkably stressful. We never lost a game, but it didn't matter. It just it was there was nothing fun about it, and again, i you know I used to play soccer, and I liked the game but um but yeah, I mean that that was really the only reason I did it, and of course, I kind of got suckered into it because they knew that I used to play soccer and they they you know recreationally, so to speak and and they said, Well, uh, you know we have a soccer team and and we're trying to build back our sports teams, you know, why don't you be the soccer coach? and I went, ugh. I just thought, good God, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching now for the first time. I need to focus on this. Uh, I would rather get things right in a classroom than I would on a field of play. I'm not getting paid to be a coach. I'm doing this on my, you know, for practically free. Uh, they may have tossed me a couple hundred bucks if, if memory serves, but I just remember it being remarkably stressful and just not liking it. And then as soon as the second short season was over with, I said, I'm done. I'm just letting everybody know I'm done. You know, that's it. There were two two or three girls who played on the team, and they were good. I, I just, I would never be drawn to coaching an all-girls team of any kind. Again, back to this Sadie River Day uh, school coach, Danny Brown, what kind of a person again decides to go on a trip with again these I don't I don't know. I I know I'm alone in this. I I I I might be alone on this one, but I just I don't get it. All of this to me seems like cumulative risk. Um and and of course there's sort of a undertone of sort of a pedophilic nature with some of these people. That uh, you know they they think to themselves, well, I'm going to be around these girls, and you know I'll I'll get to touch them, and I'll get to do this, and I'll get to do that. Maybe I'll catch some of them in their underwear and whatever else. It's disgusting. It's beyond disgusting. Uh, These people again, if what he did and and just putting himself in the situation is bad judgment enough. And again, these these traveling teams where you're you're the coach and and you're hoteling you you have a your hotel room in the same uh hotel as 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 the other players and all this other garbage i i just it just creeps me out it creeps me out, and the parents in particular in this day and age, with everything that we know that goes on and the video and the audio and the media and the social media and all of it it uh it just yuck yuck is about all I can say again, what parents would just willingly let their kids travel like this? With a coach of the opposite sex, again, I don't know the details of this particular case, but it just seems like a colossal waste of time. It 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 seems like nothing good is ever going to come from something like this. I mean, so what if you win a tournament? Big deal, you know. Um, it it doesn't matter. It does not matter. But the likelihood of of someone getting hurt even if it's a a complete accident, the likelihood of somebody getting hurt in a situation like this, as I used to say and and lecture to teacher education students, I would look at them point blank and I would say, don't be a coach. Don't do it. You're going to put yourself in serious legal peril. If something bad happens, that's on you. And you're not just going to lose your coaching gig, you're going to lose your job as a school teacher. And then they're going to come after your license. And then." It's game over. Then you can't be a teacher anymore. Then what are you going to do? You're going to go coach in the NFL and make you know make it in the big times? I don't I don't think so. That's not going to happen. Again, very rare that a K twelve coach. Again, I know I'm getting off on a bit of a tangent here, but it's very rare that a K twelve coach becomes a professional coach at the professional level. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And I remember, again, saying this to a particular uh, a, a group of, of students, actually in my, my dad's class or management class. There were, there were some dudes in the back of the room. I could see who they were. I could tell how they were dressed. And I was like, these are bros that want to coach. I can just sense it. These are guys that want to coach. And sure enough, one of them raises his hand when I get done saying what I'm saying and he shakes his head and he looks disgusted. And I looked at him point blank without him looking at me. And I said, I know that what I just said offended you. And I'm looking right at him. I said, I get it. You probably want to coach, don't you? He goes, yeah, that's why I'm getting into teaching because I want to coach. And I went, you're in the wrong profession. I said, you're in the wrong profession. I looked at him point blank. I said, there are people already well ahead of you who are already coaching as college students and they're assisting on these teams that are here at this college and this university, and they're already in the system. I said, they're way ahead of you. Those are the people that become pro coaches, not K-12 school teachers who really don't want to be K-12 school teachers and they just want to coach. Those aren't the people that become professional coaches and make millions. It, it just typically does not work that way. I'm not saying it's impossible um, because I, I know it's happened. Um, but it's it's so rare that it's it's outrageous. It's just outrageous. Anyway, that's that's my two cents on that. I I, I just cringe any time I hear of a male or a female uh, coach traveling with students, in particular when they're stay, all staying at the same hotel. And again, I know this happens across this nation and across the world with regularity all of the time. It just begs the question how many times do remarkably inappropriate things occur or illegal things occur and we never even hear about them? It just, again, it seems too risky for everyone involved. But yeah, I, I fully understand there might be people that disagree with that approach, but I've I've just said it to countless uh, teacher education students in the past. Of course, like I've said, the, the business is crumbling, so none of it matters uh, going forward. But Um, I would just look at them and I'd say, you need to focus on your craft. If you want to be a school teacher, focus on your subject matter, reinvestigate and unlearn what you think you know about your subject matter and teach the truth to your students. That's how you gain influence. You don't gain influence with people by also being a coach because then they start calling you coach instead of Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. It's, hey coach, what's up coach? Uh, You know, that too again has a very negative connotation within a school building in a K12 environment. And again it's a it's a stereotype and I'm going to mention it but a lot of the coaches are dummies. You know they have this um they have this stereotype of not being the sharpest knife in the drawer. You know they're they're a school teacher but they're also a coach but you know whatever. I mean we used to make fun of them you know I'm not proud of it necessarily but we used to make fun of them when we were kids. Everybody knew who the school teacher was who was also a coach and i know it's not everybody i'm not painting with that wide of a brush but you know we knew who these people were and unfortunately in the school where i went a lot of them were just creeps they were weirdos it was evident that they didn't give a damn about school teaching that they only cared about coaching and god you know if they could get their hands on an all female an all female team well they just loved that and the same is true again With uh, with gay women coaches, gay women coaches again, putting themselves in serious potential legal trouble, and uh, and real danger by by coaching, again the 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 same sex. Team, so to speak, and traveling with them, and sleeping in the same hotels and whatever else, and knocking on their doors and catching them in their underwear and all that all that garbage, it's just terrible. Again, someone was clearly taking the video. Uh, it looks like he's pulling her hair pushing her down in the bed holding her there don't know why is she trying to is she, you know is she trying to escape is he i don't know again just the act of putting your hands on a minor alone is is bad enough so there you go that's that's my two cents um again remarkably risky and why a person again would want to be a school teacher today is beyond me let alone coach is, uh, is beyond me. I I don't get it. I really don't get it. Anyway, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, uh, first episode back, lots of stuff to discuss. Clearly lots going on. There's going to be a whole lot more coming up here. And, uh, I'm going to dig into those Pfizer documents a little bit more and see if I can't find even more and we'll see, we'll see what happens. But, uh, with all that said, have a great weekend and I'll catch you on Monday.